0: To the What the Folk podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Today's guest is a young goalkeeper who came through the ranks at Aberdeen and currently finds himself the number one at Falkirk SC. Welcome to the show, Robbie Much. How are you doing, Paul? You alright?
1: Yeah, not bad, mate.
0: Yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. I was gonna use the introduction, Are You Up To Much, but I thought it was a little bit too obvious of a pun that.
1: <laughs> I get that in the papers a lot. There was there was one actually a season we played our in the Scottish Cup and it was in the sun, obviously, and I spent a bit of time alone at Arbroath under the same yeah. current manager, and the headline was, I learned so much, M-E-T-C-H, from Dick, Dick Campbell. I was thinking, they've done me over here. But, it's pretty good, to be yeah. fair, uh, journalist to journalist. Yeah, it just sums them up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, first things first, before we delve into the past, let's chat about the, the present. Uh, we're currently speaking in. 15th of July, or well, back in March, I think as everyone across the world knows, COVID hit, but at the time, Falkirk sitting in second in the league, one point behind Wraith was with Wraith to play at home. COVID hits, seasons curtailed, Wraith get promoted, Falkirk stay where they are. How do you react when you see that news and what are your thoughts on it?
1: Um, initially, I was, I was raging, to be honest, that uh... I don't know what to say because on hindsight, football probably couldn't have been played out. But the way I think they've just ended the leagues and given it to who was top, I think it was unfair. Um, I feel like the SFA wish at League One was had a clear runaway because Celtic top of Premiership were miles ahead, United top of Championship, miles ahead, and I think it was Cove League Two were miles ahead. But whereas... We were on that point with goal difference as well, but I think it was just we were just gutted to not get the chance. To be honest, who knows? We might not have ended up going on to win the league. Which, let's be real. But which we, we didn't get an opportunity. I think everybody was looking to that last game against Rafe and buzzing for it to possibly be a whoever whoever wins this takes all. Did you find
0: out in advance that that was going to happen? Because I know, like, there was like murmurs as a Sunderland fan. There was murmurs for a while that it was going to be weighted point per game, and we were going to be screwed. Um, But as a team, do you do you find out when the fans find out and when it's officially confirmed, or do you hear murmurs Um, beforehand?
1: Yeah, seen it on Twitter. Seen it on Twitter at the same time as everyone else. Now we we didn't get told to anything, even in our group chat with the managers and that there was questions asked by some of the other boys or oh, they heard anything, what's happening? And they're like, nope, not a clue. No, we know as much as as you guys.
0: Is it even an option to I mean, I don't know, but was it even an option to to fight it or would you want to fight it? It's like how how do you you take that news on board? And I suppose in a sense, on the face of well, there's not much you can do. So how do you how do you progress to the next stage? What what is it you do next?
1: Um, well, to be fair, our chairman—he's been very vocal about it. In that, in what he said, he was like, "I'd rather spend our money on recruiting players or whatever. Might like use the money in the playing squad to go and challenge for the league next season, and use it for courts and solicitors and all that." So he's been pretty vocal on what he's wanting to do, which is is fair enough. We'll probably. As players, the ones that are left from last season, we'll use that as motivation now to go and hopefully make sure we're clear at the top of the league next season. And then we're the ones that are good in the league next season. But, yeah, we've just got to use that as motivation now.
0: It's a bit of a shame as well for Falkirk as a club. I think we were just saying off-air, off, off air. I was, used to live in Glasgow, friends with a lot of Falkirk fans and one particularly big Falkirk fan. and Obviously, there was the, the dropping through the leagues a little bit. And obviously that's disappointing and it's hard for any fan base. And I know that as a Sunderland fan, but it felt like there was like something coming back up. There was even a period, I think where it was almost a takeover by someone who tried to take over Sunderland. I think it was Mark Campbell at the time yeah. tried to take something over that hasn't really worked out um, probably for, from a Falkirk fans perspective. It seems that they're quite happy about that. Um, so it's been a period of uncertainty that you got back on your feet, ready to go on with But like you say, you can use that as motivation, can't you? Moving forward, it definitely is. If that can't motivate you, what can, I suppose, injustice always motivates people, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Just as I said, that will be the motivation. Well, for me anyway, for next season, obviously, hopefully going back as number one after playing the majority of last season. That will be my motivation to not only stay in the team, but to, to go back and hopefully win the league this year round.
0: I think since the decision itself was touching it a little bit as well, but things have gotten quite wild within Scottish football. I suppose at the time of speaking, um, things are as they are, teams are promoted the way they are, teams have been relegated the way the way it was originally announced. But there's loads of rumors of like promotion overturns, court cases, and all sorts of stuff. I suppose my question to that would be what's it like to be involved with the craziness of Scottish football at the moment, as someone directly involved with things that yes. this could affect?
1: Well, a bit like the announcement, I, t- I know as much as the fans in that, eh? um, yeah. We're all just sitting back and kind of watching what's going on. Nobody really knows knows anything. You're hearing all this with Hearts and Partick and all that with the courts and that. and It's it's dragging on. Obviously, Hearts aims to still be a Premiership team for next season, obviously hoping things go their way. But the Premiership season starts in two weeks on Saturday. So it's it's chaos, to be honest. But... What can you do? never boring in Scotland, is it? No, you're right. There's always something going on.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I suppose moving all the way back then to less present thing, going all the way back into your past, making me feel a bit old here, but you are born in 1998, which is 12 years after me, um, in Elgin. (laughs) I've actually been to Elgin, um, randomly enough, but what was life like growing up in Elgin? Obviously, incredibly far north, so what was life like growing up?
1: Um... I don't know because I only lived in Elgin for like a year. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I moved. I moved to just outside of Aberdeen, Inverurie, a wee place called Inverurie. Yeah. So that's where I was. That's where I grew up. Um, just outside of Aberdeen. Well, my dad was born there anyway, so he he grew up in Inverurie. But I think we were all living in Elgin because of his work. I I think that's his story anyway. I'm not actually too sure, but yeah, grew up just outside of Aberdeen.
0: In, is Inverurie the place that has that really old haunted jail, or am I making that up? I went on a ghost tour once and it was like an old haunted jail. I'm yeah. sure that was Inverurie. I
1: don't think so. It might be Bancry. I'm sure there's a place in Bancry. I think that's a hospital. I'm not actually sure. The only jail where is? I think there's a big one up in Peterhead. It's like a museum and all that now, but no, it's definitely not Inverurie.
0: <laughs> I didn't plan that whatsoever. I should have probably fact-checked that, but I didn't know you were going to say that, to be fair. <laughs> um So obviously, just outside of Aberdeen, Aberdeen huge football club. I know, as it is, you are an Aberdeen fan, uh, but I think everyone has that story of when they first discovered football, and there is a reason we all love it and play it and follow it and do podcasts on it. But what were your experiences of like your first discovery of football?
1: Um, Obviously, my dad's an Aberdeen fan, so I just followed in his footsteps. Um, I can't even. I think my first Aberdeen game was a European tie against, was it Union Berlin called? is that yeah. a team in Germany? Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember the score, what the game was like, I can't remember anything I it but I just somehow remember that being my first game Um, but I was I was in the youth academy from quite a young age like Aberdeen's from, I think it was from about eight so we used to get given three season tickets, like every youth player got two three season tickets for the family stand at Aberdeen so every Saturday, my my dad was probably more buzzing than I was to get them um, to get three <laughs> tickets in Aberdeen game. Anyway, we went every Saturday pretty much and yeah, I've just I've always been a massive Aberdeen fan.
0: It's funny that if you've got three season tickets at Aberdeen and your dad's like an Aberdeen fan, was it a case of like if you had three or four of the clubs, your dad was just like, I think Aberdeen might be the best choice, son. I think you should probably go to Aberdeen think of those three tickets.
1: <laughs> well, I always wanted to be an Aberdeen player and I to be fair, I got that from when I was eight years old until I was 18, three years full time as well. So only level didn't play at was first team, which is obviously gotten but who knows? There might still be time for that one day. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, yeah, you mentioned before about you went there when you were eight, and I was reading that, and obviously when you're doing that research on people in their youth careers and stuff, a lot of clubs, no matter which either of person you're speaking to, tend to go to a club when they're about 11 12 sometimes and that's like really early but eight-year-olds like incredibly early so you know who was it that decided that you were going to be a goalkeeper who was it that noticed your talents and how do you get to a club
1: that early um i don't even know how i became a goalie i think it's because i wasn't actually very good at football i got (laughs) i got put in in nets um that's what I've always said anyway. I was never never good enough to play outfield, so I got shoved in goals at my boys' club team. Um but to be fair I I enjoyed it, I guess. Um height's always kinda of been on my side as well. So I think when they were struggling to find a goal, they were like, right Robbie, and you go, you're the biggest in that. I think that was just the kind way to put it, you're shite outfield, so your big in goals. Um but yeah, I was I only played boys' club for a year my local Inberuri team, Colony, were called. So I played there for a year and then Aberdeen picked me up, mind going for my first trial. Um, and it was a, just a field, a park in Aberdeen. I'll always remember that. Um, and there was a few, few of us, I think it was me, a boy called Aaron Norris and a boy called Frank Ross. And all three of us, were there that night and grew right up together up through every level and all three of us went full-time at the same time and unfortunately that was Frank just released for Aberdeen just last week so that was uh, the last one of our little group remaining at the club that got released but he was lucky enough he got his chance at first team actually I remember he scored a free tiff against Rangers um, a couple of seasons ago but he's been really hard done by by injuries to be fair to him but yeah that was our, our little group and now it was brilliant growing up playing with him week in week out and training with him and coming right through the ranks and one of us got to play first team.
0: funny when you're talking about um, like people like you you grew up with and stuff and obviously you've mentioned before you moved out of Elgin pretty fast but one thing I did notice when you would have been around seven or eight Andy Gorham was turning up for Elgin I think about like 2003, oh really? One of the greatest Scottish goalkeepers ever. So who were your like idols growing up then?
1: This is going to sound really uninspiring, <coughs> but the current Aberdeen goalie at the time it was Jamie Langfield. <laughs> yeah, um, he used to get bad dressed by Aberdeen, but I loved him. Even when I was a kid, I used to love going to watch. And in my first season full time, he was actually still the goalie. So I got a year, a year training with him which was, I was 15 when I first went full-time, so I was, I was buzzing basically when I signed and I was getting to train with basically who I've grown up watching every week, so yeah that would have been my idol when I was a kid, but probably a bigger name, Van Der Sar, was uh, yeah. the goalie I loved, I loved watching, because that's my English team, Man United, um, again just following my dad, he's a Man United fan as well, Um but I always link Aberdeen and United together with obviously Alec Ferguson going for Aberdeen to Man United. So it's not like I'm a gory hunter or whatever. Or at least there's a there's a link between the, the two teams.
0: I think my my uh my love for Aberdeen would all come from Chris Maguire. Just love Chris Maguire.
1: <laughs>
0: Greatest guy That's ever. Right,
1: but... Yeah, I grew up watching him as well. Yeah.
0: He, was, he was, wasn't bad when he was young either, but I don't think he's—I don't think his attitude on the pitch has changed very much from what I've seen. He was a, a little shit then, he's a little shit now, but he's our little shit, so you've got to say you, you like him when he's on your team, but when you move to, going back to sort of growing up with, with Aberdeen, now I can only look at it from maybe a media perspective, say working for Sunderland, that would be surreal for me, but then you look at being a player is completely different, but I was just touching on before it's normally like when you're like 12 or 13 when you've got that kind of grasp of watching football for five or six years and that's your club but when you're eight like i mean god i can't even remember when i was eight it's that long ago but at what point do you start kind of clicking on that you're at like one of the biggest clubs in scotland and the club that you support do you get that straight away do you get the feeling of like it being surreal immediately or does it come at a later date
1: um Probably not at that age. I was obviously I was happy to be. It was weird because obviously you go from playing with your your schoolmates every day and not playing with them at a the weekend to playing with probably the best players at that age in the in the region, like in the city, in the shire, and that. Um, but no, you didn't. I don't think so. Um, I think it was probably a bigger thing for my family at the time. But I get yeah. picked up by by them. But it was probably when you reach like under 15s and then under 17s level, you're like really close. You're only one more step away if they go in full time with the club. That's probably when it started getting a bit like, right, this is getting serious now. But at that young age, probably not because when you first go in, I think it's the first age group, I don't know what that is, under 10s or whatever, you play the local teams, so all the local boys clubs teams, but you play them um, like a year above. So if we were under tens Aberdeen, we'd go around to playing all the local under 11s teams. Um but I mind just beating them every week, eh? I wouldn't <laughs> be touching the ball and that. Like the boys in front of me, like obviously it's the best kids in the city and that and I was a goalie not touching the ball every week. Well that was probably the whole point of playing a team a year older than you to try and get challenged a bit more. But then I think it's after that you go and play like your Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs and all that, all the other pro youth teams and that. And I remember our first, my first ever game against like a Prem team was against Celtic. It's only like 10 or whatever at the time. And I think mean, we got scalped like double figures. And I was thinking, holy shit. I was an <laughs> eye opener at like 10 years old, getting beat 9-0 or whatever. At Celtic, your first ever game. And obviously a goalie as a kid getting 9 past you. I was probably greeting in that after the game. No doubt, but yeah, that was it was good playing about young age and that playing the big teams and playing for the team you support. When you come up against
0: like the Celtic and Rangers and and whatnot, and uh, you know other clubs and and Hamilton, obviously at that level as well, have a, a great youth system. Yeah, um,
1: I, I always used to hate playing against Hamilton. Yeah.
0: They won the league they again, play. didn't they? I think
1: like What's recently. That?
0: I think they won the youth league again. I think recently. Yeah,
1: but but they very. From the under-10s to our first team, they play the exact same way. Absolute gang. <laughs> it's a good idea, though, isn't it? I mean,
0: that's one thing I should probably touch on. When you're coming through a youth level, I remember um, when Gus Poy, it was at Sunderland, he put in this implementation that the way the first team played is the way that the under-18 should play. Does mm-hmm. it differentiate when you go through the levels when you were at Aberdeen? Did it go from, like, play this way to play that way? To play? I mean, and obviously, the managers change, but... Is there an idea of how they you to play so you can progress to the first um, team?
1: Yeah, I think it was probably different every level. So every year you change your manager. So there was like two managers or whatever for every age group. And they wouldn't change their age group. The players would kind of go up the managers. How how the club worked that out, I don't know. But it was however those current managers wanted you wanted you to play. And, uh, and they're obviously the ones making the decision for the next level. So under 12s managers if they didn't like you you wouldn't make it to the under 13s and then so basically you've got to try and impress every every coach at every every level to make your way up would you prefer it that way to be like where you're learning technically you could be learning like
0: new tricks at every age group yeah or would you prefer the the continuity of like learning a style of football and sticking to it in a kind of man city barcelona in a way if that makes sense
1: yeah, to be fair, I didn't mind it. I was getting new managers every season, but obviously being a goalie, I still had the same goalie coach in that. So it's probably slightly different from me. I'm still getting the same goalie coach every every year, but just different managers. So I didn't I didn't mind it. To be fair, who were your coaches going up? Um, so it's all like youth academy coaches, but like the head of youth academy was Neil Simpson. So he's a massive Aberdeen legend in that. Um, and the goalie coaches and that are just, the, again, Youth Academy goalie coaches, but I've had them since I've grown up, um, and I've got a lot to thank them for, I suppose, because it was the same goalie coaches I've had the, when I first came in, so when I left the club, so uh, Keith in his name is, he's, he's local. Um, when he left Aberdeen, he actually went to Cove Rangers to goalie coach, but... That's who I've probably got the most to give to, um, is him, because he was my goalie coach for probably about a decade. And obviously he's seen me growing up in that. And he still he still gets in touch regularly. He was actually at a few of my games for Falkirk last season in that. So it's good that, I suppose, when your youth goalie coach is still... It's still well, actually, it was a game and we played Peterhead away. So pretty local game um, near Aberdeen. So he was at the game. We won 3-1. And after the game he says, Well done, Robbie, good three points, blah blah blah. Then ten minutes later I had a massive paragraph through my phone. He's like, Right, I think you could have done this better, could have done that better than that. Your kicking was good, but your handling could have been better here or there. So he's he's still wanting to wanting to coach me. <laughs> What's the
0: best bit of advice that you were sort of given going up? Not necessarily by him, it could be, but from anyone.
1: Um just uh, a the cliche one, just try forget your mistakes, I suppose it's even more so for a goalkeeper, you yeah. make a mistake, it's a goal pretty much, so it's dealing with that. It's the main thing, especially at a young age, like you know youth games and that, the scores are going to be seven each or whatever every Saturday. See, i are conceding a lot of goals as well as making a lot of saves, so it's I just kind of try and forget the mistakes and the goals and move on.
0: It's quite a, I mean, it's the most lonely position on a football field, but I suppose if you're looking at that as a positive, as you're talking about growing up and stuff like that, I've always found like a lot of goalkeepers to be, I can't think of the word, but a bit crazy. Like they kind of have to be, because they're kind of sticking their head in their foot in all sorts of places. Got to be really, really brave. But I mean, I've had had Thomas Sorensen, I've had Paddy Kenny on recently, um, if we're talking goalkeepers union on the show and especially paddy kenny's got some great stories about like bravery and getting stuck in and stuff like that but also mental toughness that came with it um in the sense that if you do make a mistake it's remembered for like weeks and the likes of like mm-hmm. peter engelman i think played for his country for finland but he gets remembered for like letting the ball go into his foot in the derby game so yeah. when you're a goalkeeper and you make a mistake Growing up being that goalkeeper and being like that lonely position on the pitch, does it make you like grow up a bit faster mentally? Because you have to kind of just chuck those mistakes out of the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could say that, I suppose. But I've never known any different. I've just always been a goalkeeper. So, yeah, as as I said, I I know no different. Um, I think mistakes happen. You say that, you, you look at De Gea or whatever, every goalie in that Premier League, this season i have made a mistake. So It, it just comes with a job. It's just how you've got to react to it, I suppose. I've, I have I had a good season last season for Falkirk, but yeah, I've made a bunch of mistakes that probably maybe don't get noticed as much because performances kind of overtake that. But I notice them and my goalie coach notices them. And that's when we sit down after every every game and, and go over. I, sit, I could save a penalty, get man in the match, but we'll sit down and we'll... We'll go over all the mistakes that I've made in that, and I think that's good, especially when you're young. Because if you sit down and actually review what you're doing, you tend to make that mistakes less. Less yeah. After you sit down and watch yourself, watch yourself doing it. So, no, you your right it is a lonely position, but that's that's why it's called the union, I suppose. In it, you've got your goalie coach and that even. Even the other goalies at the club they, they support you, even if they're not playing in that. So I like Sakami Bell and that I was I was playing ahead of him for a bit of this season in that and he was brilliant with me, even though obviously you want to be playing. He wasn't in every every game in that. He was in training, he's he's brand new with me and he's obviously he was an experienced goalie compared to me. And he's it was like having two goalie coaches, the actual goalie coach, plus training with him. So it's good when you've got a good wee group around you.
0: Talking about like when you're, you're working under goalkeepers, one thing I've always sort of wondered. So, There's the goalkeepers union. There's only one position that's on the pitch. Cammy Bell was one I was thinking of. Cammy Bell's obviously played at Rangers, he's played at Killy, he's played at SPL clubs. It's like a young 21-year-old, 20, 21-year-old goalkeeper comes in, takes his place. It feels like goalkeepers themselves genuinely do have that goalkeeper's union where there is a good friendship, there's sometimes room together, even if one of them is like else near the one and they want to play and everyone wants to play. It's almost like uh, because you play that position and because you understand the position and you understand there's only one position on the pitch, there's no real, well, there is competitiveness, but how do you keep it competitive and friendly at the same time? Because goalkeepers seem to have that knack of being to be yeah. able to be friends with their nearest rivals
1: um tough question actually (laughs) if you're if you're pissed off and you're you're not playing that you would never ever take it out on in training with other goalie with your goalie coach if you want answers you go you go knocking the manager's door or whatever privately without anyone knowing i suppose but you would never show it or or take it out say you're doing a warm-up on a saturday we shake hands give everyone a hug in that before before the game and it's it's no different if you're on the bench or if you're playing everyone's there trying to get the same thing three points in a clean sheet i suppose so no it's obviously the first quarter of the season i didn't play and i was thinking shit i'm 21 i've only got a year left in my contract and that and i'm not playing um in league one at this age and that um what what do I do? So there was like serious doubts. What what was I going to do in the January transfer window? I was I was thinking like, I'm going to have to try and get out of here, otherwise my career could be in serious jeopardy. Yeah, but I managed. I was lucky enough to get in the team in that, and I was thinking, oh no, this could probably upset in morale at training or whatever with with the goalies. But as I said, Cammy was he was brilliant when when I got in the team in that, and you you wouldn't know. Um, he was wanting to like really play. Like towards me, he was he was so supportive in that. And it was actually it was a game, I think our goalie coach was ill. So he couldn't make it to the game. So it was just me and Cami. And it was one of the first games I was in in the team. So he took my warm up in that. But as I said, it was like having another another goalie coach. He was he was brilliant.
0: One of the goalie coaches you had, I think, I could be wrong with this and you can correct me on it, but you think 2017-2018 when you were at Aberdeen, was it Jim Leighton you were working under? Yeah,
1: so I had three years full-time at Aberdeen and my first year full-time it was Jim Leighton. How good was he? He scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Why? He scared me. I was... I was I was probably soft as shite, to be fair. I was only fifteen when I went full time, and I wasn't used to it. Um, but no, he was he was a good goalie coach, and obviously a career he's had a, however many caps for Scotland, played for Aberdeen, played for Man United, and all that. Um, probably nobody better you could get as a fifteen year old going in full time. Yeah, no, he he did scare me. I, I will admit, my but that's probably what you need. He, he was probably doing it on purpose. Um, mental toughness and all that as a kid um, he was no he was he was good and I think he left Aberdeen just before the end of that first season I was full time and it was a couple of years later I think I was 18 and I got into the Scotland 21 squad Yeah, and he was the Scotland 21's goalie coach so I hadn't seen him for a couple of years obviously like your national team's 21's it's mostly full of first team players um, so when I first met him again after getting into that squad he was totally different with me he he treated me as like a first team player even though I wasn't a first team player he was treating me as a first team player in that and he was completely different with me so that's what makes me think he he did that on purpose when I was a kid like proper tough so I think his coaching methods and that were were right because he toughened me up as a 15 year old
0: yeah. What what kind of his methods that you can remember? What how would he kind of treat you when you were younger to how he would treat you sort of nowadays, shall we say? Um,
1: basically don't catch a ball, right? Get doing do five press ups every time you don't catch a <sighs> ball or whatever. Whereas going with the twenty ones and that he was he was just so chilled out and like, right, Well, you're here for a reason in that you're good enough, so you're gonna get treated like a, a first team goalie, which the different honestly the difference was mental but his, his training was really old school in that. Um, it was tough see pre-season. Oof, I've not had a pre-season like it. That was my first ever like full-time pre-season, and to this day, one's not topped that. With
0: him achieving so much in the game, and like you said, the amount of caps that he's had, like the tournaments he's won to, the trophies that he's won, does it almost immediately, even if you think, oh, what he's doing here, I don't really like, I'm not too sure on it, because he's won so much stuff and he's such a decorated character, the year to go, well, he must be right. And then later on, obviously you've been proven right. But at the time, do you think I should listen to him because the amount of, like, get your medals out. You know what I mean? He's, he's won enough. Yeah. Well, he's no, done I enough. I never
1: doubted him or whatever. I never doubted him. I always listened to, to everything he, he told me because, again, I was, I was a 15-year-old training with Aberdeen first-team goalies and the goalie coach. and that. I, I would I don't think I'd say a word in training, to be honest. I was too scared to actually open my mouth and that. I would just keep my head down and try and catch the ball, proper concentrate on something that's so natural to a goalie, but he proper made you feel like you need to catch every single thing in that. But no, he was no, he was good, and obviously, as you said, his career speaks for itself. Yeah,
0: absolutely, mate. Um, you talk about Scotland and a 21 squad, obviously that you got into. Who was it you were competing against at that point?
1: Um, so what happened was I was in the Scotland 19s, <coughs> and it was just a friendly game against Sweden. So we played Sweden uh, in Edinburgh and I was – well, my dad was at the game because we were heading home after that game. It was the end of the camp. So, yeah, I was ready to get back in the car with him. And, uh, and my Aberdeen goalie coach, so the new one, Gordon Marshall, he was at the game as well. So I had my bags, got my shower, I was waiting to get back in the car and he, my goalie coach came over to me. He was like, oh, your dad's going to go back up to Aberdeen and get your passport. I was like, what for? He was like, oh, you're, you're going away with the 21s now? And I was just like, what? Because we'd just been beat by Sweden. I was, I think it was 2-1 or something. So obviously my head was down after getting beat. And I was just like, nah, you're bamming me up. And he was like, no, you're going, you're going away now with the 21s. Um, I think it was, did we, go? we went to Macedonia. That's where it was. Um, we were flying across to Macedonia. It was the last qualifying game to get into the 21s, Euros, Yeah, I think it was. Um, obviously I was only 18 at the time in the 21s so I knew I wasn't going to play or whatever I was only going as like backup but I was I was buzzing just to get in the 21s it was, it was quite surreal so we went across to Macedonia and Macedonia needed to win the game it was like the first time that they could qualify for any tournament at any level so I don't know what the stadium's called but it was the stadium that hosted the Super Cup I think yeah. A couple of years ago, Real Madrid, someone I can't even mind what game it was, but anyway, it was that stadium, so it was a twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand seater stadium we were in playing and honestly the whole of Macedonia turned up to the game. <laughs> for a twenty ones game, um, the whole stadium was packed, it was it was mental the atmosphere, how loud it was for a twenty ones game, I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, Wow <laughs> I was on loan to our bro the time, I was like, I I'm, I'm playing League Two football and I'm sitting Involved in a squad in front of twenty five thousand people, it was. I mean, I, I didn't play or whatever, but just the experience of being there and yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, even the squad at the time was like, yeah, the likes of um, John Suter, Jason yeah. Cummings, and all that. It was like a proper, again, first team squad. So no, it was what a what an experience it was.
0: I don't know how much experience you have with him, but Jason Cummins is one of my favourite people that has probably ever existed. <laughs> I don't know how long you had with him, but what was your experience with
1: him? I was only in one squad with him, but it was him and Ollie McBurney that were in that squad, and their room shared, and they, they were just mental. Like honestly, <laughs> you wouldn't think they were professional footballers. All they do is complain about it. Was I mean hilarious? Some of the stuff they would do. I, I can't even tell you some of the stuff they would do because I wasn't there for that long, but. No, funny. I don't think I've ever laughed so much in my life in front of empty. We're talking about
0: the uh, we're talking off air before we had Dylan McGee on, and obviously Dylan did the was the DJ for when he did the Grado thing when he was at Hibs.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, Hibs.
0: And I just feel like you know, like if you could have Big Brother on a certain player, if you could just have Big Brother on like twenty four hour Jason Cummins yeah, yeah, TV, yeah, yeah. it would just be superb. But you know, you're looking at. I mean, my girlfriend's um, someone who follows Scotland like home and away and and we've, obviously I'm English, but I like to see Scotland do well because I have such an affinity with it. And looking at Scotland's team, we were discussing this the other day, a lot of those players from the Under-21 level have gone into the first team and Ollie McBurnie is one of them. When he looks at the Scotland team, as a player who's been involved in the Scotland Under-21 squad and someone who I'm presuming is a Scotland fan, um, do you think that the quality that's in the Scottish uh team like Scotland are kind of going into an era where you might have a bit more of an opportunity to go to tournaments and do something with like the likes of John McGinn and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think so. You see a lot more Scottish players playing in the Premier League now. Um, yeah. Maybe, say, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, so, who have you got? You've got, like, McTominay, John McGinn, Kenny McLean, obviously Ollie McBurnie and that. There's a lot more Scottish players playing at the highest level now. Yeah. So, hopefully, things are Looking up, I think I think I don't think it'll be long now until we get into a, into a tournament, but it has been a while. I've never seen Scotland in a tournament,
0: I have, but I just couldn't And awesome wasn't <laughs> yeah,
1: and obviously, that was the year I was born. Yeah,
0: um, looking at the, the Scotland team, you know, you go into players like that as well, and you've got like Robbo and whatnot, uh, probably the best left back in the world, I think we could say. I think it's a fair yeah, assessment, yeah, probably. So it does feel like it's it's getting to that point. Does that make you, the experience that you had, though, and seeing the quality that's going into the, the Scottish team, the quality that's coming from the under-21 team, having that experience and playing alongside and being in amongst those kind of players, does that give you a hunger to get back into it and continue to kind of keep pushing for where you are at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I was 18 when I was in the squad and then Aberdeen let me go the same season I was in that squad and... That was the last time I was in it, so I felt like with the youth academy and the youth um, Scotland setups and that, it was a lot of big club bias. I was probably a better goalie when I was twenty, playing for Falkirk, and I was eighteen playing for Aberdeen. But yeah, I was in the, the Scotland twenty ones when I was eighteen. Um, unfortunately, I'm too old now for the twenty ones. Um, but yeah, obviously my ambitions to one day play for Scotland. I think like any other. Scottish player will say the same. So obviously, I need to just keep working hard, I suppose. And who knows, one day, maybe. You know, you touched on
0: before about um, how you feel you're a better goalkeeper at full kick at 20 than you were at Aberdeen at 18. There was, we, we sort of talked about it already slightly, but you moved to our growth in January of 2017. There's also been loans at Dumbarton and I can't pronounce this, but is it Devonavale? De- <laughs> That's the, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> um of course. almost every player that I've spoken to that has gone on to have a successful career has had a really good loan spell when they were 18, 19, 20. So how important are loan moves to your progression as a young player?
1: Yeah, massive it was an eye opener when I went to our bro, So the season before that I had a nine month long injury. Uh done my kidney and it was a fifty-fifty in training, and it was actually Frank Ross who I mentioned earlier. He Absolutely done me a belter in training. So my kidney, just keep it simple. My kidney burst open. My, Jesus Christ! With. So I was I was bedded for like six months or whatever for that, and I was out playing football for nine months. It was it was brutal. But I mind mean, coming back after that injury, and I played a bounce game for Aberdeen Twenties away to Dundee. And after the game, my goalie coach came up to me and says, right, you're going alone next season. So came back in for that pre-season. the uh, 20s were away to Port- Portugal, I think it was, for a pre-season tour. And I got told to stay in Aberdeen because I was going to Arbroath to train with them. And I was thinking, oh, fucking hell. There's a bit of a difference between going to Portugal and training and going right in the, the coast to train with Arbroath. But not. for development-wise, it was, it was miles better doing that. So, uh, I went to Arbro for the first half of the season, um, but no, massive eye-opener. Um, I was 17 at the time when I went, and my first game, I played really well. Um, and after that, it probably wasn't the best alone spells for myself. It was just not what I was used to, playing men's football and that. Um, our bro fans probably don't like me because I'll be honest, I wasn't great when I was there. I wasn't bang average. I was nothing special, but it was such an eye opener playing men's football, just which I wasn't used to. And that one spell up fifteen games or whatever I played, I reckon that's probably what sent me on my way a bit. Playing yeah. that men's football at a young age, it, it was massive in my development.
0: Do you know when you're talking about like um, Scottish football at that level, like? I used to love going to uh, not just SPL games. I used to love going to like League One, League Two games if I could get them when I lived up in Scotland. And I've got to be completely honest; it wasn't always for the quality of football. It was for like the crack in the stadium because it was just yeah. vicious but funny. What's the best slash worst insult that you've ever had thrown at you from the stands?
1: Oof. Put me in the spot there. Eh? Um, <laughs> There's always uh, a few it's not even a bad insult but we played um, a junior team in the Scottish Cup this year it was on TV for some reason don't know why that game was on TV I think it's because there was only like four miles between the two places Yeah. Um, but we played them and I was doing the warm up and there was was a bunch of of kids in that behind the goal and they were just going hey much much I'm like how the hell do you even know who I am it's like you're an Aberdeen reject Aberdeen reject and that and I was like fair play to you for doing your research and that (laughs) <laughs> I've, never, I've never really had anything bis- bis- to be fair just just banter to be fair it's just I next like, level like, isn't I it I like the games yeah. where uh, obviously we were playing at a juniors ground and it was so tight so we're honestly like they could put their hands out and touch you if they wanted to but I like grounds like that eh, when they're like right on top of you and uh, and you can hear everything we're saying I think it's awesome
0: yeah, I mean it's it's kind of the to me it's the, the beauty of Scottish football. Like the, my favourite ground in Scotland's Tynecastle because you're literally right on the players, yeah, like you're the almost castles. falling on them. And there's like when that's like I bet, and the one game I actually went to uh, Tynecastle, the first game, sorry, was actually against Falkirk a few years ago. I think Hearts had gone, geez, they'd gone the whole season unbeaten and they'd won the week previously eight nil, and it was that season where like stormed the league and they played Falkirk. Typically, my luck because whoever I go along and support, they'll just get beat. That's like the Sunderland curse, really. It got beat three two, I think, off Falkirk. But it was a great atmosphere because yeah. I was right next to the Falkirk fans, all going absolutely nuts. I think it was Rory Loy was playing up front, um, yeah. and like, there's a lot of grounds in Scottish football, like you say, where like you can hear absolutely everything, and there's yeah. just there's a special. It's it's always really harsh, t- terrible stuff you hear. But it's always took in the best way, and I always find like the insults that just come from like Scottish fans is just better than any insult anywhere else.
1: Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, I, I do like Towncastle. I've never, I've never actually played there, but um I've done the warm up for Aberdeen there yeah. before, and yeah. I find that when you're on the pitch and that everyone's so on top of you, and no, I'd, I'd agree. it's one of my favourite stadiums as well. Cracking
0: stadium, absolutely cracking stadium. Um, <clears throat> One thing I wanted to sort of touch on with uh, your loan move—you talked about Arbroath already—but you won the league when you were Arbroath, didn't you?
1: Well, I was part of the squad that won the league, so I got recalled in January. Um, so I played enough games to get a medal, but <laughs> I'll take it. So I, I do have a medal from from playing with Arbroath um, that first half of the season. Um, but so no, even though I was, average, I still had a couple of high moments. As I said, my first game—it was actually it was a Four years ago today, it came up on Twitter today. We played Dundee United live on the TV in that BT Sport. Um, We drew one one with them. Um, I got man in match and all. I got interviewed live on BT Sport that. and that was my first senior game of football. I was like, wow, um, that was probably the problem. Where do you go up from that? It was all kind of downhill from that. You can't really get much higher than that. But, no, yeah, that was probably the highest point I had to my, my overall career was was that first game and funnily enough, start of last season with Falkirk, the amount of players that were currently at Falkirk last season that played in that game, it was mental. So you had the two managers at Dundee United, you had the goalie Cammie Bell for United, you had Paul Dixon, Mark Dernan, Charlie Telfer, Aidan Connolly, you had seven players, well, seven people that were part of the club at Falkirk last season that were part of that game so it, Kind of weird how it all all worked out, and then obviously by your by your teammates.
0: Talking about Falkirk itself, obviously we touched on a little bit earlier about the current circumstances, but all in all, I think Falkirk are back on the, the upward curve from what's been admittedly a few difficult seasons. Um, how have you found Falkirk? Like how are you finding the place, the city, the fans, the club since you've moved?
1: Um, no, I'm really in, really enjoying that. It's Three years I've been there now. Um, last season was probably my breakthrough season you can say my first season I played five games in the championship Um, last season well the season before the one that's just finished was a complete write-off for myself Um, and obviously last season was my breakthrough but being in the team every Saturday what a difference it makes to your confidence and your morale and that and I loved every minute of last season Um, even though it wasn't even the way we wanted it to finish last season was brilliant and the fans have been really good to me, to be fair. Um, since I've got the team, I feel like I've I've done well enough to earn their support in that. So, no, really, I really did enjoy last season.
0: How does it feel being at a club like Falkirk, who I think are probably, and I don't mean to offend any other club here, but probably the league and the position that they're in at the moment is probably not... Be fit in the Falkirk's history um, I think they've, they've well been known as sort of at least at the very least a championship club and we talked about before they sometimes get bigger attendances or often get bigger attendances than some Scottish premiership clubs mm-hmm. so it's like even though it may look like it's Scottish League one is you know, I, I, like I say I've lived in Scotland I understand that the pressure that comes with almost every Scottish club so being 21 being the first team goalkeeper with a club that's gone through a difficult time and i back on the upward curve is it in a good way quite pressurised from playing for a club like Falkirk with big expectations in the league they're
1: in? Um, well, yeah, the fan base is massive in that um, and they're not quiet where they know they want the club to be. And more yeah. of the board, to be fair, the board <laughs> often came out and said, This is a premiership club, this club should be in the premiership. So, yeah, you could say there's a bit of pressure on us, but. Obviously, the players' aim now is to win League One. And then the next step is to look up. But ultimately, yeah, I'd love to be able to get the club to, well, be part of the team that gets the club to the premiership. Obviously, right now we've only got about a dozen signed players. So we're a wee bit off that. But, yeah, but that is, you could say my aim is a full cut player is to get them up the leagues again. Um, I've been part of the club that, got relegated i didn't play that season but i was part of it and the change it's ridiculous so i'm actually the longest serving player now and i've only been there three years um i mean of players that have been and gone through the club but honestly it's no joke it's around probably 60 70 players yeah Honestly, the past two and a half years that have been in and out the club it's it's mental and um that's three years I've been here and I'm on to my fourth and fifth manager. Obviously it's joint managers this, this coming season now. But I'm on to them now. So that's that's three previous managers already that have been and gone and it's, so there has been a lot of change to the club since I've came in and um I must be doing something right i 'cause I'm I'm still here. I'm one of the ones that have maybe been been kicked out yet. So but no there has been a lot of change.
0: Talked about the management then. Obviously there is two managers at Falkirk at the minute and I was gonna ask you know how would that differ to having like a normal manager, but when we spoke before about the the youth levels and then you were saying there's always more or less two managers that you had at youth levels is that so it's, Is it not that unusual having two managers then at a um, first team level because of that
1: i don't, I don't think it is um that isn't weird anymore um even you probably don't see it as fans, eh? but like when it's just a manager and an assistant manager. You you tend to find that assistant manager takes a majority of the training anyway, so there's not much difference to both of them having the title as as a manager. It's it is pretty normal. But Lee Miller, he's one of the managers. He he played for Aberdeen, so I grew up watching yeah Lee play play football. And my first season at Falkirk, as I said, I only played five games. But Lee was at the club as a player my first season, so I played with him, watched him, and now he's my manager. Um, so I think it's for me personally, it's good because both of them really rate me which which is good. It's what you need as a manager because you often find it's a game of opinions um so the previous manager, I don't think he thought much of me, whereas these current ones have came in and have thought the world of me which is which is brilliant for me and my development, I suppose
0: what are they like as people
1: yeah, good um. Just like when the boys are in it like, and changing for are a good crack they know when to be serious on a Saturday and that and they know when to have have a laugh with the boys we've got a really good mix and from when they came in in October it it was it felt like a kind of a turning point in the club um, the morale of the place kind of just went up up a level and everyone was just enjoying their work and enjoying playing on a Saturday and that and the results kind of came with that I think we've only lost two games maybe, maybe three, and one was a yeah. cup to our premiership team in that. So, since they came in, it's really been a turning point, I feel, and I, I feel we would have went on to to win that league last season.
0: So, I suppose probably just a to touch on and, and sort of final question, and we've maybe spoke about it already, so I'll, I'll try and rework the question as best I can, but um, hopes for the future, not just for, for Falkirk, but also you individually. Obviously, he's still 21. As a goalkeeper, there's a good 20 Twenty years left in you yet. So, yeah. what is it? If you know, if we had this conversation in twenty years' time, what would you have hoped you would have achieved?
1: Oof a lot. Hopefully, welcome. <laughs> Short term, hopefully, obviously, staying in the team. That's t- honestly, that's my aim at the minute is is staying in the team, week in, week out for Falkirk, and you take that honest step. It's winning leagues with Falkirk, and then obviously, it's it's hopefully getting a. A big move somewhere, making the club money, like a transfer fee or whatever, and obviously just constantly working up that that ladder, you could say, and getting to as as high as I possibly can. Obviously, it might just be dreams; it might never happen. But at the minute, that's my aim: is just to put at the highest level I possibly can. Like some some people might look at that right now, especially but our bro fans, and think he's off, he's fucking nut. But honestly, I'd, that's. That's my aim is to make it as high high as I can. Perfect. Robbie, thanks very much, mate. Great chat. Not a problem.